You're listening to Raising Anchor, a Rhode Island FC podcast. We're glad you're here. Hello and welcome to Raising Anchor, your podcast and source for all things Rhode Island FC. I'm your host, Matt Entrican, coming to you on Thursday, November 16th. We've got a lot to cover as we unpack multiple player signings, impressions from the first ever open tryout in club history, kit sponsor updates, as well as the official date for the kit reveal party. Plus, we've got impressions from the USL final, including some additional news about the RFC broadcast coverage coming to you in 2024. And on top of that, we're doing it live, kind of. To help me get all of this across the finish line is the one and only co-host, Jason Carey. Jason, how's it going? Uh, you know, we're uh, we're both just hanging in here. Uh, both of us getting through some sickness here. I'd go off on some tangent, but we got a we really do have a lot to talk about. And knowing how we uh, like to elaborate elaborate on everything, it's gonna it could be a long one. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I can remember the last time I wasn't well. And knowing that it came at peak, you know, podcast broadcast time, it's it's just it's terribly inconvenient. You know, we're being tested right now. <laughs> you know, I just the listeners really need to learn and appreciate one day how much we put our bodies on the line. Meanwhile, Coach looks like he's living his best life back home in Bermuda right now. Just according to the the Instagram posts, he's on a night boat ride as we record. So I would much rather be trading places with him right now. Not that I don't love you and hanging out with you, but I'd rather be healthy, well, and, and hanging out in Bermuda. So we hope Coach is uh, enjoying himself, and maybe he'll get to listen to this tomorrow while he's uh, scouting some potential Bermudian international players. Who knows? Yeah, maybe uh, checking out to see what uh, his friend's family back home doing, see if there's any good talent to bring back to us. You, you think that's a short line to him? Do you think that all of the, the locals in Bermuda just are constantly hitting him up and like, hey, coach, remember we played for the Dandytown Hornets? Or, hey, coach, uh, my son's now, you know, he's 18 and he's playing for the national team. I bet you he gets, I bet you he gets those kinds of messages all the time from back home. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. And I also bet we get a little bit of a growing fan base out there just because because of coach. Oh, like you mean Rhode Island FC or Raising Anchor? Uh, or I mean, maybe both, but definitely RIFC. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying we need to record our first ever live episode from Bermuda. That's what I'm hearing. Oh, yeah, let's do it. All right, we'll get that in the plans. But speaking of players that we do know for sure, kind of a perfect segue, we've got quite a few acquisitions to talk about. Uh, you ready to jump into this? Yeah, let's do it. So on the last podcast, we had talked about uh, a player coming from Hartford Athletic that at the time we had heard strong rumors that he was inbound, but we hadn't had those quite confirmed yet. I think the news dropped officially maybe six hours after we released the pod. But, you know, that's just how it works when you record in the, in the past and try to keep updated to the future, especially being in Los Angeles at the time. That definitely didn't help uh, our recording efforts. But since I'm back, uh, we can kind of sit down now and talk about it. Uh, rightfully so. Some of the listeners had told me that, you know, I don't, they didn't think we gave Connor the fairest of shakedowns, um, when we had first discussed. And I'll be the first to admit that, you know, anyone with the attached heart for the athletic label kind of gave me the, you know, from a business transaction perspective, is this the right thing to bring into the club? Do you still subscribe to that, Jason, or can we put the, you know, it's the Hartford Athletic, sure, but we don't need to, to carry that badge 
quote unquote of shame uh into the RFC locker room at this point. I'm willing to to you know leave the the past behind there as long as he uh you know as they say like puts his heart out on the field and and gives us his all, you know? Yeah, I agree. And and after doing our research and our due diligence um on the player, we found out a lot of positives in my opinion and some things that we want to kind of unpack today. So, you know, who is Connor McGlynn? So, first off, he's a he's a 24-year-old, soon to be 25. Uh he's a 6-4 that's a tall boy. He's a 6'4 midfielder from Hartford Athletic. Uh, he played the last season, as we mentioned on the last pod, kind of out of position in a uh, center back role, uh, playing 31 of the 34 games uh, total for the season and accumulating nine yellow cards with with two goals uh, on the on the season. And, you know, I think the first thing that we need to call out is whenever a player is playing out of position, it's almost like the performance metrics for the year don't matter unless it was the conversion year and, and you know, the year after, I guess you would say, where it's it says, okay, the project is been solidified this person is absolutely the person we expect to be in that role moving forward but i don't know if, if there's anyone that it gets asked to step into a role that they historically didn't play if you expect great outcomes as a result of that have you ever seen that in your history it'd be interesting i you know i don't know a lot about maybe his development maybe he um maybe he's shown some some acumen for being a defensive player um and like, like in the past you javier mascherano who used to play for Liverpool and then uh, Barcelona. He was a midfielder, but towards the end of his career with Barca, like he was their starting center back next to PK. So I don't know what coaches plan for him if it's in midfielder defense. But there are a few, you know, circumstances where where I we've seen things like this happen. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I, I do think that coach is probably going to put him back into his proper position. But you know, again, based on the interview we had with him. He probably will expect him to be able to rotate into those positions of, of central defense. It seems like from his record and watching some of his highlight tapes, he's a true and true, you know, number six. So, you know, the coach did kind of allude that in a perfect 4-3-3 that he envisioned, it, it may be two roaming sixes. It may be that swap back and forth with the with the center back line. So I think this stacks up very well with that. Uh, either way, whether he plays the CM role that he's kind of shown throughout his career or more of this center back pairing that he demonstrated in Hartford. What I do know is, is that one, he was a fan favorite of the club. I mean, I I've seen other players leave now the Hartford athletic organization and they're not getting nearly the same amount of, you know, well wishes and, you know, we're going to miss you and, and accolades that the fans have really driven towards Connor. And number two, this man has struck some wonder goals in his time within the USL. I think he still has, one of the top ten um, ESPN like highlight reels, so to speak, of goals scored within the uh, within the league in the last five years. I mean, he pulled off one where he he scored it from you know halfway and just just dropped a just dropped a beautiful dime into the back of the net. Yeah, I, I saw that one, and I actually when I saw it, I remember I think I I caught a highlight about that a while back. I was like, oh yeah, these these are always great. You know, midfield, halfway, your own line, those classic goals. Agreed. Now, uh, you know, I think it's funny when when RIFC fans started talking to us about him, they were saying, oh, he's going to score all these types of goals and Galassos in the future. And it's, and it's one of those things where you have to kind of pump the brakes because, you know, for every one of those attempts, you see 15 to 50 that, that never find the back of the net. I will say, though, in his highlight reel, he's definitely not afraid to shoot from outside the box, which I think sometimes... Uh, clubs can struggle with where they don't find that player or that person that's comfortable or, or confident enough to take shots of that nature instead you know they try to cross or they just try to get it 
as close to that increased XG as possible. Um, so it's exciting to see that that's someone who would be interested in, in, in taking those shots. Additionally, with his play style, from what I saw, and again, highlight reels are designed to, you know, quote unquote highlight, but uh, he looks very comfortable in his, you know, play style where he's, he's solid on the ball. Um, he loves placing passes where they need to go to marshal up the field. He seems to play very tight and centrally. So he, you know, when, when you have someone who can distribute and coordinate up the spine of the pitch, it, it takes pressure and kind of that expected application of going up the wings. A lot of times, you know, defenses will let you go up the wings because it's easier to keep your shape. If a player like Connor can unpack the defense by, or excuse me, unlock the defense by, you know, threading a pass through in the right area and still leaving the wings open to do other types of game style and play, this is the kind of player that we're really going to look forward to having uh, join our RFC. So I, I think this is a great acquisition now that I've done the research. Solid pickup. Uh, really excited. Uh, and, you know, just, uh, on top of that, now we've robbed a piece from our neighbor. So if the rivalry didn't exist before, I feel like it's absolutely been kicked off. We've, we've fired the first shot, so to speak, of a couple shots that we're going to talk about tonight. Yeah, definitely. Um, like you said, if the, he was a fan favorite, seems like we got a good one there. So uh, good way to uh, stick it to them. And uh, his birthday's coming up here, Monday the 20th. So uh, fans out there, show him some love. Make him feel welcome. Happy birthday, Connor. Appreciate you on the team. Uh, so we got to jump right into the next one. And, you know, it, it's just been nonstop with these signings since the since the start of the club's announcements. So the next one, and this is probably the most polarizing or, or at least interesting because I still can't qualitatively figure out really what this signing will truly mean for the club. But Amos Shapiro-Thompson, uh, he's a New England native from Worthington, Mass. And he spent a lot of his playing time actually in Europe playing for the Polish side Liga Warsaw on a reserve contract before he came back home playing for the Boston College Eagles. And what's really great about him is not only was he nominated as a um, a freshman All-American, but he's seen some trials and tribulations in his career uh, due to the, you know, the pandemic era. I think we sometimes forget that a lot of these college players and some of the more quote-unquote minor professionals have really struggled to make a breakout during that era of time that was lost due to the pandemic. You know, you, you think about how many things got shut down from a business perspective or put on pause. That kind of carried through for all of these college teams that just didn't have those chances to make it to combines, to open tryouts where everything was sequestered and, and clustered away. And on top of that, so not only did he kind of suffer on, on stalling through the pandemic, but he also suffered through a torn ACL um, in the middle of his college time. So he saw some significant minutes drop from his playing time because of those unforeseen circumstances. But having said all of that, he did get the opportunity to get drafted by the New York Red Bulls in 2023, where he made 20 appearances this year for the Red Bull Tool, Red, for the Red Bull 2 organization. That's a hard one to say, uh, including getting loaned to the first team for an open cup match against DC United. Now, I can't find a lot of his playing time information outside of just general, you know, playing minutes and percentage of time on the transfer market. I couldn't see any of his highlight reels from New York Red Bulls 2. Um, I don't know if that's because it's locked away by the Apple TV package, but I I really couldn't find any information outside of his college time um, pay in the, the highlight reels. Got to pay the Ga- the Don Garber tax there. <laughs> so it's interesting you say that because I we have we have Apple TV for MLS, but there's no real easy way to get to like you'd have to watch the entire game 
and then take that opportunity to kind of like take those notes down as if when we're watching real games and starting in 2024 and and making that kind of game time uh evaluation and i i frankly just didn't have the time to sit down and watch multiple 90 minute reels i was looking for something more like the y scout or the youtube highlights that would condense that and it just doesn't seem to exist for anything on the mls next pro so listeners if you have a way to get kind of concentrated tape footage of those play moments from players let me know because i right now don't have any way of understanding what that looks like yeah i'm i'm not sure how to to find some of that either i think as soccer grows in the states maybe some more of that stuff will become available but you know remains to be seen for now if it is out there it's it's hidden agreed and you know when i did look at the high light reels that i could find again they were mostly his boston college time um he it sounds like a repeat of connor he looks very comfortable on the ball but the difference between him and connor is, is that he uh, has amazing pace with the ball and he loves dribbling centrally up the field this is a person now again defense at the college level may be different from the usl perspective or any other other kind of professional competition but this is someone who's not afraid to receive the ball turn and run up the field and i think that that's a nice compliment because i don't think i sent it i don't think i said this yet but amos is a central midfield player through and through so if he's partnered in some sort of six and six or even like a six and eight where he's that box to box engine, that's the kind of person that you're going to want to see perfectly pair with someone more like Connor style where he can hold the ball and redistribute up the field or around the field. So this is a perfect pairing. He was high energy. He was high stakes. I was really excited to see what was going on in his space. Um, the only thing left really that we can't understand right now, and it's just really not made clear is that when we looked at his player data for Red Bulls two. It didn't. It, I don't know that I could say he's a guaranteed starter for us because he did only start and finish in you know quote unquote the final you know seventy five to ninety minutes in only thirteen of twenty seven matches that he was on the team for. Uh, he did play several of those matches where he was a substitute, and then there were a couple where he wasn't even dressed for the for the games, and then there was no reported injuries that I found. So I don't really know what that means for Amos's role with the club. But I do know two things. One, he was an academy product from the New England Revolution Academy when Coach was there. So this has been a very long play from Coach Cano that he's had his eyes on this guy for a long time to bring him into some sort of sporting program that he was going to coach. So this is like when you get a job and you're like, okay, I know these people I can bring in and make myself look really good. Coach has definitely had Amos on his radar for a very long time. So that's the first thing that's really clear to me. And the second thing is, is when he introduced himself on the Rhode Island FC socials, he absolutely said anchors up. So he's a he's a he's a fan of I'm a fan of him, and he's a he's a number one pick for me. Yeah, I think uh, anchors up alone, like you know, I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> he could have the worst career with the with the organization ever, and he'll still be my number. He, he's already won the the raising anchor player of the year award, and we haven't even played a match yet. 2023 <laughs> player of the year. <laughs> you know what? I love that. We should just do that as a fun thing. If he's at the kit reveal party, we should just get some stupid award as fast as possible and just be like, Amos, congratulations. <laughs> First ever player anchors up. <laughs> uh, wouldn't it be hilarious if the club eventually adopts anchors up more than Wicked Good Soccer or Anchored in RI? I know they'll never do up the tide because that's, that's Defiance's thing. But what if we just keep creeping on? Because ours is simple. It's two words. They're mostly small words. Up is a very small word. I don't think you can get smaller than the word up. 
Um, what do you think? Do you think it'd be possible we can eventually outpace anything else they make? Possibly. I think if we just keep, you know, keep yelling it and eventually it'll, it, it's already seems like it's slowly creeping into their vernacular. So we're just going to keep pushing it. We're just, we just have to figure out how to get paid by the club every time it's been said. That's, how, that's the final destination. How much does it cost to get one of those airplanes? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but we got to do the research. Um, so, yeah, so that's Amos. And then if that wasn't enough player announcements to talk about, we've got one more, which is probably the player we've known the longest about in addition to Koke. Um, it was teased to us well in advance of any uh, original announcements signed. We didn't know that this would be the player that got announced next because there are, you know, several more that have already been locked in. But uh, Jason, you want to take us through uh, through the next uh, the next loyal edition? Yeah, so we got we picked up another loyal player, Grant Stoneman, uh, twenty seven six one center back, heralding from St. Charles, Illinois. So Coach Nate Miller actually brought him along to the loyal from the Lansing Ignite. Um, he's played he played eighty five percent of the minutes and only missing three games in the twenty twenty three season, which is huge. So huge for a center back. That, that means, means he didn't get any yellow card suspensions. He didn't really get any major injuries that would have taken him out of out of the games. What what that tells me too is that he has a, a good relationship with Koke. So like there that'll be huge for understanding because it's important that that back line and the goalkeeper are on the same page. He was basically yeah, so he's basically the glue for the back line there in the defense. So that'll be huge for us. Um he's got you know, some may say he's somewhat high card accumulation but the majority of his yellows are coming in the second half so it's probably tactical fouls at that point which is just part of the you know what you got to do to control the game he's somewhat of a veteran over 100 matches in usl that's huge yeah that that's pretty considering every year you're basically recycled for free agency that's four years with usl now going into his fifth year that's a young man veteran in the league that and like you said that synergizes with Koke, that's an amazing pickup. Yeah, and uh Reddit's joking about us uh becoming the Rhode Island Loyal FC. You know, and you know, I'm I'm all for it. <laughs> so I, I we're gonna talk about this in a bit, but we did release the the kind of AI generated uh kit concepts because it's difficult when we've already seen some of what will be in the permanent kit it's it's hard to like not say what we know and don't know but i think my favorite comment in that post was well with all the loyal players you have why even do one of these kits you should just be wearing san diego loyal like the straight up kits from san diego loyal so i wrote back hey that sounds like a great third kit opportunity so rhode island don't get a designer for the third kit just go talk to the San Diego Loyal administration and let's just let's just move one of those kits over but put the appropriate vendors on it. Call it a day. I like it. <gasps> it would be uh pretty wild <laughs> to see something like that. Yeah, no, I agree. And and you know, I want to circle back to on on what you said at the beginning there with with um with Nate Miller. Nate Miller is probably one of the most successful coaches now in USL considering what he's done to transform the Loyal and like you said they, they both got their start at Lansing Ignite. But the fact that a coach played someone and then it was only two or three people that he brought over from Ignite, the fact that he brought uh, Grant along with him into the San Diego Loyal Project, it just tells me the amount of confidence that he had. So much like in Kano we trust, if Nate Miller has had this much you know, belief and effort in, in this guy over these years, 
I can't think of a better center back. And like you said, with the, the synergy between him and Koke, this is just a no-brainer. So well done by the club to to grab this guy. So in speaking about other loyal players, so as we had kind of been teasing listeners for a few episodes now, we've been hinting strongly that Ronaldo de Moose, the, the Haitian Ronaldo, had been uh, someone that the club had been you know, actively pursuing. Uh, we have gotten some additional information and some context that whatever conversation or negotiations that were occurring between Demus and the club, it looks like both parties are starting to to move away from that discussion. Um, you know, whatever the reasons are behind that, it just looks like that won't be an ideal fit for Rhode Island FC. It's a shame because I personally enjoyed watching him play. And again, from that synergy of having more loyal players on, it, it would have been a, a great acquisition. But, uh, you know, it seems like that won't be the case now. It'll be interesting to see who we start looking at to to take the shoes or the role of whatever was the plan behind Demus. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm fine with it. I All these other players that we've picked up so far, I'm very happy with. You know, there are a lot of players that the team is going to talk to and nothing's going to come of it. So I'm cool with it. You miss a thousand shots you don't take or whatever that phrase is. I can normally remember when I'm not sick. You know, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So it's know, a thousand shots, 100%. You got it. There yeah, you go. That there was, you go. I was close. Numbers. We, we got there. <laughs> um, but no, it, listen, it'll be exciting. And, you know, I don't think that we've made a single bad acquisition. And I think that if these are the decisions that the club's making, to your point, I think we'll continue to see excellence in the players that we do acquire. What I can say is, is that, you know, we knew that the number of, of signed players was ranging in the five to six. We've now acquired four players, so we have one to two left. But we also know that the club has been in the works to finalize contracts for several other players over the last four weeks. Um, so I would anticipate that we probably have at least 10 to 11 players already signed. Um, and what has been shared with us is that the intention has been to kind of, you know, trickle or... or or intentionally bring those players in kind of a week or, you know, half a week at a time to continue to ramp up the hype um, for the fans and for the people paying attention to the organization. We do know there's an international player on the way. Uh, we're not sure yet who it is because international ones are the hardest rumors to probably track down. Um, but we can anticipate that we'll start to hear more about at least one international signing in the weeks to come. It's really interesting to me you know, that the club has taken this approach of sprinkling one player in per week. It's it's great for us because it allows us to prepare content and just really kind of invest a lot of time into one. But I almost wonder if that hurts the coach when he's trying to build a team, if, if they really have all of these signings and there's really nothing at this point holding them back. I wonder if that hurts the coach from time to time where it's like, hey, if I could just announce all these players, I could motivate or incentivize maybe someone who Again, Rhode Island FC isn't a real thing until we become a real thing. I wonder if that's some player who's like, I don't know who you are. You know, I don't, I don't know what you're going to be at. Oh, but you have Koke. Oh, you have Connor. Okay, I see what you're trying to be. I'm very interested in the project all of a sudden. Yeah, from a product standpoint, it's it's easier to sell if you can list like, here are the 10 players I have so far. These are the positions I have filled. This is my idea. Like, But if you're just like, well, I, ha I have a goalkeeper and a midfielder. It, it's maybe a little harder of a sell um considering that maybe a lot of these deals are already done in the background and just not announced maybe it's not affecting them too much um but i like you said i can kind of see why they'd be doing it um it, it's great for us and content wise and also maybe for fans to kind of keep that that drip feed like hey 
we're here. Look at us. Pay attention. You know, I think I think that's exactly spot on. And and I bet you the coach and the entire staff, including the social media team, is probably chomping at the bit to just get this out. It's probably a lot harder to talk in code about certain things that you can't share when you know that the thing has already happened, right? Uh, it's secrets are always harder to keep than not having to keep a secret. So I uh, I think we'll just have to start tricking the coach into like making like, hey, I heard Brad signed, or hey, I heard Mark signed. Just make up first names, and, and maybe we'll get lucky. Yeah, we'll have to come up with some uh, some random code words to just throw at him. Just come out of <laughs> just come out of nowhere, like <laughs> we see him in the park. Just like, hey. What about uh Brad? How's he doing? <laughs> Watch, there's a Brad that signs now, and that'll just look really, really awkward for us. But speaking of other players signed, as well as names, another perfect segue. You're killing it with these segues today, by the way. We need to get more sick more often, I guess. Um, but surprise, we've got a mascot, and his name is Chip, and it's a seal. You could say that Rhode Island FC really sealed the deal. <laughs> that was i actually i wrote that in the twitter i i need to own that it was it was embarrassing but it was the best dad joke i had at the time um but yeah we we've got a we've got a mascot now team and i gotta i gotta tell you it might be the best mascot in all of usl i or maybe second best cash the soccer rocker is still pretty dang good having said that i think it's really important that we kind of break down who chip is uh, and what he's really going to be to represent the club. I do want to, before we start, though, for all of you that thought we were buying the Paw Sox mascot and just repurposing it, I really loved that conspiracy theory. That was probably my favorite of all of them. I knew what the mascot would be because I knew it wasn't a lobster. Um, there was some misdirection the entire time, and I think the club did a great job about keeping under wraps what it would be. Uh, the manatee guess was my favorite because it was like, could this be kind of close to this? Like, I guess a manatee is just a fat seal at the end of the day, if you think about it. For the scientists out there and like the nature lovers who are telling me, no, Matt, <laughs> that's not what a manatee is. Cut me some slack. I'm just talking like design and shape here. But um, but yeah, Jason, you want to walk us through uh, through Chip? So Chip was designed with the ocean state in mind. He's got 13 whiskers, same as the number of stars on the Rhode Island flag. And he represents the state's history with the 13th state to sign the Constitution. Nice tie in there. Uh, the club's branding is also included in the mascot design. Chip spots are shaped like the club's official crest, and his nose is an anchor. So I've seen the nose anchor thing. Like, that's an easy way because that's normally how people draw noses for those kinds of animals. I don't know if I've seen, I saw the spot, I stared at the spots longer than is probably healthy. I don't know if they all necessarily are shaped like the official crest. I, I, I'm going to stare some more and do some additional research maybe when I see him in person. But um, I do like that he has the state in one paw and the uh, anchor in the other paw. So that was that was a really um, interesting design too. Once the name was revealed, I asked the club kind of what was the reason or the naming convention that went into picking Chip. And they gave me a list of things. Like They really did their homework here and, and put a lot of thought and effort into it. And I wanted to know if some of this resonates with you because – some of it, I was, I said, okay, yeah, I get this. And some of it was, man, do I need to vet this information? I haven't vetted anything yet. So this is for the listeners to choose whether these are me making things up or if this is really like something you've heard as well. But the reason behind naming the seal chip goes to a couple of things. One is they decided it based on the concept of fish and chips. And I was like, wait fish and chips that that doesn't make sense i mean sure seals eat fish but they don't eat chips and chips is an english thing 
Well, it turns out the club did their research, and fish and chips actually originate as a Portugal dish. So choosing fish and chips is a nod to the rich history of Portugal, which we all know Rhode Island has one of the largest Portuguese uh, populations, and it's also one of the highest from a density perspective inside the state. So that's a nod to, to our Portuguese friends and fans. Then they had chip off the old block because they thought uh, that represents the saltiness of the state. Okay, I'll go with that. Then there's the only one I realized, and I thought this is where they were going, was, you know, it's a chip in soccer. You know, you, you chip the ball. That makes the most sense to me. But this one was the one that I need listeners to either do the research and tell me or 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 and back up the club or, or you know, we, we take this in a different direction altogether. But according to Rhode Island FC, chip is the new slang, is the new hot freshness of kind of rephrasing the word championship. So instead of saying... I want a championship. I want a chip. I don't know if that's true. I'm too old to be in that kind of hip slang. So anyone with kids or anyone that is that young that's listening, let us know if chip is short for championship. Because if that is the case, Rhode Island FC has effectively called their shot by saying they have a mascot who's going to win chips because his name is Chip when he eats fish and chips while being a chip off the old block while scoring chips to win those chips. Like it's a lot of it's chipception. So we need to know more about it. I thought it was really interesting. Either way, whether that's true or not, I still love all the effort. I, I think they nailed it with the design. I think they nailed it with the culture behind it. I think they nailed it with the story. Um, we know that he's going to Chip is going to be a presence in the social media. He may or may not eventually get his own channel. It just really kind of depends on how that works out as, you know, as a persona goes. Um, but we're going to be seeing him at events. We're going to see... Um, him just be kind of one of the faces of the organization. And the best part is, I've heard that there's already beef getting created with that Galaquist down the uh, down the road. So overall, what do you, do you give two thumbs up to Chip? Yeah, I uh, I really enjoyed all the um the the misdirection and all all the all the hullabaloo about like what was he actually going to be. And when I actually saw him, I was like, you know what? I I actually I like this guy. He's cool. Um. With the whole like naming thing, like I said, maybe some of those the I don't have to ask the Gen Z kids about that. We're too too old for that. Like, is that really what that means? Championship chip? I don't know, but yeah, I I, I like him. Um, we're gonna have to get him like a giant anchor, maybe the anchor of justice or something, so that it. he can he can throw the smack down on this Galactus guy. I love it. I uh no, I think it's great. And you know, full credit to the club too. A lot of people, especially when it was the lobster rumor, they were saying lobsters are scary. I mean, well, lobsters don't apply to, to Rhode Island. But a lot of people had fear that the we'd have some sort of scary mascot. I, I think maybe Dylan in Hartford doesn't like rate well with some of the audience space because he, he looks kind of scary. I, I don't know. The overall impression from family and kids in terms of that survey index, they all think he's the cutest thing in the world. And, and a mascot really needs to appeal to all generations. Uh, but most importantly, it needs to appeal to children and families. So again, I think I think the club, you know, did a bat still continues to bat a thousand, at least for now. We we have a we have something by the end of the episode. They may lose some points finally for the first time ever on this uh, on this podcast. But other than that, I, I just continue to just say what a what a impressive organization that they, they deliver these types of opportunities and milestones time after time. So we we got to move on though. We're again we're already it's getting late, so we got to keep talking. You want to jump into these open tryouts? All right, yeah. So uh, 
maybe we showed up a little bit, a little bit late. In my defense, I had just gotten off a plane from Los Angeles, and I was a bit jet lagged. Could could they not have just landed like on the field? <laughs> it was a plane, not a helicopter. I, I almost so I almost missed the the flight. Um, and I will tell you the the worst, like just the quickest but worst story. I was in line waiting for my flight. I was at one of those little kiosks, like vending machine things. And I was just trying to buy a bottle of water before I got on the flight. And some crazy deranged woman just started demanding if where the line started and where she could jump into the line. And we all collectively, everyone was tired, you know, super late in L.A., pointed to where she could go. And she just had a panic attack. She said, well, if you're going to attack me, and she took the items she had and just threw them up in the... I don't mean just like straight up. I mean like just threw them across the shopping center. And all I could think of was, please don't let this person be on my flight. You know what happened next, right? <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> Not only was she on my flight, but then they asked for two people to upgrade to the emergency exit because uh, there were kids that had booked the seats and you can't have children in those seats. I was standing right by the desk, so I went to stand up, but someone cut in front of me and said, I'll take one of those seats, please. It was the same woman. So I just decided I would sit in the very cramped, you know, middle spot that I had. And as a big man, I'm, I'm over 6'3". It's not fun for me to fly. So that was that was what I was coming back from so that I could watch these open tryouts. So yeah, I was a little late. For those of you that gave me grief when you saw me there, get over yourselves, okay? I didn't, I didn't hear you flew in that day from across the country, so back off. But anyways, I digress. Yeah, so we we missed uh, basically the first round. Um, unfortunately, someone someone got hurt um, to the point it's kind of bad. They had a uh, bone was showing. Yeah, from what we heard, a bone was sticking out. That's a bad injury. That's last time I checked, bones stay in the body. That's pretty metal. But yeah, it's that's that's not what what we what we were there for. Luckily, they were able to take care of him, and uh, hopefully, they are doing better. And hopefully, it's not too bad. Yeah, we hope that candidate uh, has a speedy recovery because that's never what you want to hear or see for someone just trying to show their game and, and try to make it, uh, you know, professionally. We, we really sucks to hear and, and hope they're, you know, taking care of themselves and getting getting healthy. So yeah, we, we were able to uh, to show up, watch the second and third round. Um, got to spend some time with D thirty six and uh, RFC personality Kevin. So we have to start calling him that because I refuse to say his at handle on on the podcast it's it's just yeah we're not advertising for him <laughs> he can i mean people who know who he is or listen to this, I, i'm pretty can, sure the people that listen to us can, also know who kevin is they can figure that out but uh yeah kevin i will never i mean i probably will but i will never try to say your handle on this podcast so maybe, maybe one day but we're not there yet <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah so it, it's interesting when we showed up and after they gave us grief which by the way, some of them giving us a problem or a hard time. And then Tim, super listener and super fan Tim, comes and just says, hey, I've got muffins. I've got muffins for you if you if you need something, which I needed a muffin. So thank you, Tim. I was struggling there. Yeah, appreciate that. Thank you, Tim. But also, back to Kevin, I did not need your deer jerky. So <laughs> it was a 9 a.m. deer jerky. Isn't, I'm not a deer jerky guy to begin with, but especially not at 9 a.m., so having said that, while we were getting gifts from fans and, and getting connected with people, I saw the lists just sitting on a table. I went to go try to take a photograph. Oh, man. 
they they all know me so as soon as i walked up they knew exactly what i was trying to do and they said if you want this information you need to go ask for it the appropriate way so we got we got denied which i think that's against the law when you're media i think you have to provide me whatever i ask for but they did not want us seeing those names on that roster i didn't see your name in the five seconds i saw it didn't see your name i could have sworn coach I, said he was going to give I you a was, shot you know i was supposed to be in the first one i i slept in a little bit i missed oh, you it. were in the 831 <laughs> and you missed your shot oh man yeah sorry guys i i, I could have been a contender <laughs> if we be real for a second though i it it would have been interesting if we could have looked at the list but i, I kind of understand why why we couldn't get that that being said i mean there was a handful of players there who were pretty good um i think we saw some there was an interesting story too with the the one guy who flew from Florida who was originally from Colombia. Yeah, he played and, for the Colombia Division Two. Yeah, so uh, that I, I mean, so there is going to be a second level to this where some of the players. I mean, it would be a really cool story if he were to somehow make his way into the team. I don't know. Only coach would know who you know. And, and his staff who was going to make it to that. So let's un- let's unpack that a little bit before we get too much further. So one, it was really interesting to see how they tiered the system for the day. They had three rounds. There was about 15 to 20 players per side. They had to ro- – I think it was about 15 actually because I only ever saw like three or four rotate. Um, they did, you know, a, about a 30-minute 30, 30 skirmish you'd say? Yeah. Um, they, they switched it into two halves because then they would also switch sides because there was two fields there. Right, right. So there were four teams total, 15 aside, and then they would rotate at that 30-minute skirmish mark, and they'd play one of the opposite sides. What's really interesting to me is is that you, when you watch the coaching staff, it seemed like a majority of the coaching staff was watching one set of games, and Coach Kano and Mike Parkhurst. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Mikey Parkhurst. Who was, was hiding there. incognito. You would not have known he was there with the way he was, one, bundled up, because it was a little bit chilly that morning, but Two, not really drawing attention as a, anything RIFC on him or anything like that. But it seemed like Mike and Kano were watching one set of games at all times, and then the rest of the coaching staff was watching the second set. I could never really make heads or tails of what they were looking for in that, other than just our own observations of the players. But through those rotations, they would get multiple chances. Uh, they would rotate all the positions. So if you were a center back and you wanted to showcase a midfield or an attacking role like they would swap those kinds of things out at each of the rotations of, of the team being subbed in and out really quickly. Um, but overall, it was a really well-run event. I mean, people showed up, they were ready, they got out on the field, and, and they kind of gave it, not kind of, they gave it their all. Um, it was just, for I've never seen an open tryout before, and it seemed really well-run, considering how much they had to accomplish for the day. Yeah, and we didn't even bring up the fact that there was an absurd amount of people who registered for this. To there was another day we didn't even know there was the second day that was only for locals, and yeah, the amount of people that they had to uh, organize and go through was was crazy. I think they said seven hundred people in the first hour or first day. I, think I don't it was remember like the first day or two, but still, <laughs> and they I were mean, they were thinking what three or four hundred maybe. I thought right. So we couldn't share it at the time because we wanted to make sure we didn't draw any negative attention to it. But we had asked the club if they needed us to do any kind of broadcast on our social media. And they said, hey, we are already so completely full with people now on wait lists and still trying to actively sign up. You know, you, we don't need your help for this. We, we've got we've got what we're looking for. 
Um, so just when you see that kind of turnout, that kind of excitement show up for for a club in its infancy, what what an, what an awesome time! Yeah, that was uh, it was a really good time. I'm glad we we got to go out there. Um, so there were there was a few players we were watching and we we were following around, kind of moving and uh, kind of cheering on for a few guys. Who uh, who do you who was your favorite from there? So um I think I think collectively we all had our sights on the same few people. Um there was a there was a, most of the I, I guess I should start with it was really interesting to see the pair ups because you almost could see the skill levels not improve, but I feel like the second round of players were a little bit shorter than the final round. I feel like all of the taller players all showed up in the final games. I don't know if that was by design. Obviously, when you were getting that information for your open tryout, you were getting your age, you were getting your experience, you were getting your height, etc. So I don't, I don't know if that was designed or randomized, but it seemed like by the end we had the biggest of of the guys out on the pitch. Um, so really, what struck out to me was the the final tryout session of the of the day. Um, like you mentioned, I I called him Blue Sixteen because he was wearing a blue kit and his number was sixteen. But he was that Colombian player from uh, the Colombian Division Two player who flew up from Florida, did not complete an open tryout request form, and just showed up. And originally had been turned away, but coach said, "Hey, like, let's get this paperwork done. Let's get whatever we need done. Let's get him on the pitch." Which I'm not saying is is protocol, but I think that they realize that when someone comes knocking on the door that has proven professional talent, it would be a waste of time. It would be it would be comical to not take advantage of that when he's already there. There were other people that did show up and I think they were more amateur just trying to like invade and see if they could get a spot that were turned away. So it's not like they were just doing it for everyone and I don't want people to think in the future like oh I can just crash this. It was a very uh, special set of circumstances. Um and one of the guys from D36 kind of helped translate cuz he he's not an English speaker, but the guy flew up from Florida to take his chance and he got to he got to try out in front of uh the coaching staff. So that was that was awesome. We had called it all game as we were watching. There was another player on there, Blue Four, and they had this this midfield kind of striker synergy. And we're like, man, but they never played at the same time because they would swap for each other. And we all said, like, man, if they can get on the pitch together with this team, they're gonna they're gonna unlock something special. And sure enough, in the last you know fifteen minutes of their first side, they finally got on at the same time. And within what forty six seconds, they they combined to score a, an amazing goal. Yeah, when they they I think they may have actually been on for shortly before that, but like they it did seem like there was uh some some like position moving where he when he was subbing people out, he was actually having them try a few different positions cuz the Colombian guy was up top and then it looked like other times maybe he switched him more to attacking mid. Um but then when everything kind of the stars like you said they lined up and they were just kind of in the right position. The, the goal they scored was was pretty awesome. Yeah. And then I think the other kind of two players that I would say really excited me is there was a there was a guy from Providence City FC. Now, we don't know if he actually played for the Rogues or if he just loved the kit. I don't think he was in full kit mode. I think he just had the jersey top. So we weren't we, we weren't really sure and we didn't get a chance to ask. He took off before we could get his information. But he was on the green team. So if if the coaching staff is listening, the green guy in the final round wearing the the rogues kit he really seemed to command the ball uh he had a great kind of soccer acumen or iq in being where he needed to be he definitely had some athletic uh 
you know, domination just by his height and his ability to go up and down the pitch. Uh, but he really shined brighter than the rest of the people on his team. I don't think that the green team was really constructed well enough to highlight what he could take advantage of. So I don't know if that hurt or helped his try. I, I don't know how a, a coaching staff makes the decisions they're looking for when maybe the team around you isn't building you up as best as could be. Um, but I thought he deserved a call out to the combine. And then on the red team uh, for the final round of the day, there were a bunch of red players, uh, specifically red four. Um, and then the last one, though, which we were so impressed with that we waited till after the end of the tryouts to just actually have a conversation with him. So um, Omario Rosen, he's a Jamaican center back who spent time playing collegiately with Berkeley and Wilmington. Um, I think he's playing in one of the Division three or Division four kind of amateur teams right now just to get playing time. He was saying it as he was walking away, he was kind of in a hurry. So it was hard to catch everything he was saying, but he probably left the most lasting impression. He stayed tight on his lines. He played he played both center back and he played a wing back. And there was a really good striker, both when Blue 16 was out, the Colombian, as well as someone else uh, from the Orange team. And he didn't let anything get by him. In fact, you know, I hate to say this because while for there was every good player that was there that we're talking about right now, there were a couple players that you know, in my professional opinion, really didn't have any business being on the pitch. I often don't tell people, oh, I could go do something. And you guys that have met me know I sh- I cannot play soccer professionally. I can't even play it for fun. Um, <laughs> I can play it on FIFA, guys. That's what I can do. I-, I definitely could have been better than some of the people that were on the pitch that day. Yeah. Um. For for there's you know like I said we don't really want to put anybody down but there was there was definitely not a lot there was just a few guys there who um you know maybe maybe really had no business being there but you know what it, with the amount of people that were interested it's bound to happen so it's I'm, I'm not putting anyone down I applaud that they were brave enough to do it what I'm saying is is that I think. If you really, I think the best athletes are those that are aware of their talent and are aware of their shortcomings. And I think that some of those people need to check the reality mirror of, hey, I enjoy playing on Sundays. I have fun. But USL is a professional league and it's a professional sport and those are professional athletes. I mean, I I just don't know. I'm not, again, I'm not trying to offend, but there were some people that had no business being on the pitch. That's all. And, and I'm I'm hoping they had a great time and they had the experience of their lifetime, you know, getting a chance to try out for a professional club. Maybe that's the story they were looking for. But I I just I don't know. I, I, I think personally who didn't get a shot because the rosters filled up and someone more talented could have benefited from being there at that tryout session. That that's that's all I was saying. Yeah, it's possible. Um it sounds like this might be something that the club does, you know, yearly, maybe maybe not as big they won't they won't need very many but they might have some more future opportunities so from what the club has shared they do intend to kind of do this and if you look at some of the other organizations in usl there are these open tryouts there are these combines there are these clinic sessions that they put on to find those pieces of talent and i think that's important because one of the things we haven't highlighted on the open tryouts just yet is it's really important to the community to do these kinds of things we didn't know that there were so many signups, like you said, that there was a complete second day where it was just for the, the RI locals. So, I mean, I almost kind of wish we had gotten to that one instead because that's where the story comes later, where if there's that talent that just hasn't had their shot yet, 
they can they can really shine by being a part of something from the beginning. So I I in no way, shape, or form don't ever want to not see this again. I want to see an open trial every year. I think there's a benefit to the community. I think you'll always find that one diamond in the rough at least. It's just something that, you know, you'll always, for every positive, you'll see a couple negatives. But I think all through and through, this was nothing but positive. And I hope to see some, you know, some prospects come out of this. Based on what you saw on that on that Saturday, what do you feel, what's the right number of people that maybe advance to the combine round? Um, you know, the, there's the, like, the handful of guys who I, I would hope get a second, a second chance. From that, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking realistically maybe two get like two people we probably pick up but how many from the combine i mean how many go to the combine from the tryouts i'm thinking probably 10 i i don't know i wonder how the actual combine works is is it like another pickup kind of game type of thing or is it more of a it's, it's like much a more structured test? it's much more structured because that's where they're bringing also collegiate players or maybe people that aren't even playing like with an active rock club at the moment that they have as a shortlist target those are all coming in to do very very specific um tryouts so i would anticipate it, it's a much tighter format so at that point i wonder maybe do you need to just fill out an 11 and even from that 11 you say you know what there's a few that we're really interested in the rest we're kind of just giving a second look because maybe in a different opportunity they could actually impress us because the one thing we mentioned these fields were not like full fields so for uh, there like there was a lot of time for the the, the colombian player where it felt like the length of the field really didn't suit his style too well. He couldn't he open was, up. He was, yeah. yeah, he was very unselfish. He was trying to like play passes into other people to like link up and make a run forward, but there was just no space to run into because these were like half size fields and they were very compact. No, I I agree. I I I think if we see five to seven from day one. Assume that the RI local one gives three to five or three to seven. I think I think you're spot on with ten to fourteen players. You know, especially three to sub. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see ten to ten to fifteen go to the combine with whatever other talent is being personally invited by by the RFC staff. So excited! I, I had a great time. I can't wait to see what comes from it, and uh, it'll be really exciting. So anyone that did go or anyone that knows someone that was was there. If you've heard anything else, uh, let us know, and we can we can add that to the next podcast. All right, uh, we got some more news here. Uh, we picked up another sponsor here. So Rhode Island FC announced a multi-year partnership with Rhode Island Energy as the club's exclusive energy partner. The crown jewel of this partnership is the placement of the Rhode Island Energy brand on the upper back of every jersey worn by the team and sold at retail. So that'll be like right under the, the the neck there. No, no, Jason, you gotta you have to fall in with the panic when this was announced, where there will be no player names. It'll just be everyone is Rhode Island Energy. There there were multiple people who said, "Oh, so it's gonna sit above, so there won't be player names on the back of the kits." So they'll be like down below in some of like the Liga MX. Oh yeah, style. no, we're we're going we're going full Liga MXs. We're going to have like 16 sponsors on the jersey. It's going to be awesome. Oh, so we're going to be NASCAR. <laughs> All of our players will be walking NASCAR billboards. I love it. Um first team in USL to do it. <laughs> if you're not first, you're last. Um so it's really interesting. Everyone kind of did freak out though about that placement, right? And then when we were watching the final, which we'll get into in a bit, 
we saw where these sponsors go and it's it's between the nape and the and the name and it's it's not huge it's very visible but it's it's not it's nothing to worry about at he, least in the placement we can talk about the actual sponsor in a second but the placement like uh phoenix rising had uh the tequila what is it um, uh Coralejo, Coralejo, yeah. yeah. So, and it looked, it looked fine. It looked completely fine. I'm, I'm not worried about the placement of the, of the sponsor. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm not gonna lie. I was when it was first announced. I was kind of thinking, oh wait, so are the names under? And I just kind of realized I never paid too much attention to, uh, kind of the, the layout of a USL jersey. You never pay too much attention ever, Jason. Just so that we can get that really clear right now. No, it's I don't, I don't know how to read. Remember, that's my thing. So, <laughs> okay. So, also, this partnership is going to include a special feature at every match called Electric Plays presented by Rhode Island Energy, which will highlight all the exciting RAFC match action. You think we'll get to see those on that big TV thing? I hope so. I hope that there's like some giant uh, kill switch, like that Frankenstein monster kind of switch. So, when a goal gets scored, some fan gets to just throw that and it, it turns the stadium into like blinking mode. So that, that way, you know, when stadiums start going crazy, when a goal gets scored, I hope that's also another thing. And just call it the Rhode Island switch and just a fan gets to flip that anytime a, a goal gets scored for us. Not against, just for us. Um, yeah, so I, listen, I I think this is the first time I have to give the front office some some shade. And I don't mean it as a power joke because I'm in the dark here. I, if you, if you, canvas or survey rhode island residents right now on who are some of the or what identities as a company as a person are kind of on people's i don't like to talk about them list rhode island energy has not been in the necessary limelight um for for the state between just the cost of energy nowadays some of the um shenanigans with with the natural gas costs that run the way we distribute our power the way the fact that this company is in pittsburgh or something like that but they call themselves rhode island energy uh you know the 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 fact that if you get um what is it one of those birds is it a it's not an albatross it's uh i don't know it's a bird it's some big bird um but if it sits on top of a power pole you lose power for six hours because we can't do anything about it. There's there's a lot of energy complainers out there in in Rhode Island in today's world. Um, that's a conversation that gets too political when you talk about why we have problems with utilities. I won't go into that, but um, this will be an interesting one for me personally. I think my bills are too high, so if Rhode Island Energy wants to sponsor this podcast and just give me free power, that will make me happy. Like literally, <laughs> I don't need another sponsor. I will I will give you electric plays presented by Rhode Island Energy five times per podcast. Um, but having said that, I'll be really curious to see how this resonates. Again, at the end of the day, it's just a sponsor. But you and I, we've seen bad sponsors in the past kind of reflect on people's decisions to buy kits. I don't think that's going to be the issue, especially because the word Rhode Island is on the kit. But I, I, I don't know, man. I, this is an interesting one. Yeah, um, it's small. It's on the top, top of the back of the neck. So I think it's one of those things that most people are going to forget about. Um, I mean, also too, does anyone like any power company? Well, and like, that's that's why so, I'm saying it's not exclusive to Rhode, like energy, yeah. Rhode Island Energy is not the quote unquote main bad guy here. It's the concept of the way utility structure works in America. Yeah, 
power companies, internet companies, they're all the worst. Oh my gosh, did you just jinx us? Is, is Cox coming in as our official main kit sponsor? It, is that That's the thing, is you just go online, you hate on them, and then they just look at you and you're like, what are you going to do? And then we all just like, uh, I don't know. And then Get we, just, Horizon. we just move on with our lives because it's just a necessary evil, I guess. So, so listeners send us send us messages is are we are we making a big deal of this as usual is this just us hyping sensationalism here or do you think that rhode island energy is is a is a nothing burger of a sponsor or is it is it something you'd rather see in replacement of now i will say this though before we move on there is an irony to rhode island energy being a sponsor for the club considering the site the stadium's being built on is a former energy site that National Grid, the predecessor to Rhode Island Energy, had to clean up and spend millions and millions of dollars to uh, to get ready so that we could build a soccer stadium there. There's an appreciated irony that they're continuing to pay the club well after the removal of their former power site. So is this just Rhode Island Energy spading on their grave? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. But uh, it'll be interesting. I, I, I don't... Again, I want to be clear. I don't hate this this sponsor i just will be really interesting to see if this one resonates as much as uh, again the club had to have a, a slight miss in my opinion and if this is it this is a minor miss if it isn't a minor miss to people and i'm just talking for the sake of talking then i'm wrong but i digress we'll, we'll leave it at that because we have another sponsor we have to talk about which is uh the next anchor partner now remember when we last talked about anchor partners uh, with Ortho RI, there were only going to be X amount of those um, anchor partners within the framework of how Rhode Island FC set up those partnerships. Having said that, I think this is the second one. I don't think there's been another one yet, and I believe that they had kind of estimated there would be between three and five total anchor partners. So this one is a much bigger deal than Rhode Island Energy, and that is to say that Rhode Island FC has announced that the West Warwick-based Centralville Bank will join the club as an official anchor partner. Through this multi-year partnership, Centralville Bank will be the club's exclusive banking partner, responsible for filling Rhode Island FC's banking needs, and the Centralville logo will be prominently on the sleeve of the club's kit. So we've got the back of the sleeve, or we've got the back of the kit, and now the side. We're just really missing that front central one now at this point. Um, what are your thoughts on the club choosing a bank as their next anchor partner? Is, is this just more par for the course? Yeah, pretty pretty standard stuff. You know, I don't. I don't think it's 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 a big deal. I think I think it's good that it is is local. You know. Yeah, I did the research on the bank before. I don't use them. Maybe I will start using them. I don't. They're gonna have to reach out to me. As a, Ooh, as maybe, a, do you think they'll have RAFC cards? Oh, <laughs> wait a cause second. Because then, then, then I'm in. Then when you go open account, <laughs> I'm in. Centralville Bank. If you're not already making Rhode Island FC banking cards as a result, let's have a conversation because that's how you get us. I was hoping for you that they would sponsor us by giving you a discount on a house a home loan for a mortgage. That seems to be one of their bread and butters looking at the history of they've been operating for like 200 years, um, maybe even more than that. It seems like this has been a, a staple of Rhode Island for a very long time when it comes to the, the security of home offerings and just, you know, banking structure inside the state. So more power to everyone. Again, this seems like a great pickup, but yeah, you just you nailed it. If I can get RAFC checks and an RAFC banking card, um, I'm in. And if if I can get oh chip on there too, chip the seal on my card. Heck yeah, let's go. That's another reason for a chip, the banking chip. The oh, jokes write themselves. Perfect. Do we think we 
do we think we know who the final sponsor will be? Like the front kit? Because we've speculated. We can, we, we, we don't know this. This is all just our conversations. Should we talk quickly on who we think the final quote unquote anchor partner will be? Um, I mean, there's, there's some rumors about, you know, maybe a brewing company that, uh, um, that, and then maybe, you know, the possibility what we've got CVS health is a very large company in this, in this state. So yeah, I would yeah. say one of those two. So, I mean, we're teasing cause we did just, uh, do the, the generation of custom kits for fun. Uh, we used a site that one of our listeners had provided to just generate what we think would be some fun and exciting kits. None of which, by the way, are confirmed or are the official kit. So I think we need to make sure we have an asterisk there. Um, and yeah, the the part the vendor partners that we put on it were people that we've heard from the club's own mouth as potential suitors for either the naming convention to the stadium or for the um, for the front of the kits. So I agree. I, I think um, I think it could be one of those ones that you saw in the social post. If you haven't seen it yet, go over to to check it out. I, I agree. I think it's going to be Athletic Brewing. I, I The club has not shared one iota of information on that, and we've gotten so many things wrong in the last few weeks that who knows if that's accurate. Um, but if it's CVS Health, if it's Breeze, if it's Hasbro, I don't I don't hate any of those ideas. Um, so we'll see. But if you haven't seen those, like I said, go check it out. But speaking of kits, the moment has arrived where we get to announce as a Raising Anchor exclusive the official launch party for this the the kit reveal event. So uh, after confirming with the club, we can officially say that the kit reveal will be on December 4th at 5 p.m. So that's a Monday, everyone. You need to brace yourselves. You need to make sure you leave work as early as possible uh, to make sure that you attend this event on time because it will not wait for you. Now, I cannot give the location out yet, um, and I can't reveal more of the conditions that are being put in place because the club is still working through some of the final requirements to uh, to get this this party started, so to speak. So what I can tell you is that the club will be sending out an email to invited members uh, beginning next week at some point. Now, I say invited because it sounds like there will be some rules put in place. This is going to be a quote-unquote controlled environment. I don't have the final details on who will make that list, but I can say that if you're a season ticket member, that looks favorable that you'll be able to attend. But again, the club hasn't committed to that yet because they are working through what those final requirements might be. So keep your eyes to the horizon and look for more information coming from the club uh, when they announce the official event, uh, hopefully next week uh, before Thanksgiving. So, but until then, it December fourth, five p.m. That's all you need to know for now. Uh, moving on. So we got the USL final. Yeah. So uh, we met up with the Defiance and uh, watched the USL final at a uh, Flynn's Irish Pub over there, right down uh, from where our twenty twenty five stadium is going to be. Flynn's Irish Pub, formerly Craft Burger and Beers, where we recorded with them. I was actually surprised we weren't in the room that's supposed to be the, you know, quote-unquote Defiance headquarters. It sounds like they're renovating the room, maybe in preparation for us, so they put us in the regular bar. Um, I don't think the staff was ready for, what, 30 people to show up and watch a soccer game because there was only one bartender for the night. It was a it was a it was a Sunday night. It was it was pretty much dead on the other side of the of the restaurant as people were winding down because you know it was it was like eight o'clock or seven thirty when the game started. So 
uh, you could definitely tell she had not signed up to work that hard that night. So major thanks to the staff at Flynn's for taking care of us. They even stayed later than they were supposed to be open because the the game went ridiculous. Yeah, it uh, <laughs> went into extra time there, and then all the way to penalties. But yeah, I I'm actually I was a I was pleasantly surprised by the turnout. It it was a uh, quite a few people showed up, like you said. Yeah, no, and it wasn't, to my knowledge, I don't think all of them were Defiance fans. You know, the Discord is both the Defiance Discord and Rhode Island FC. I'm sure most of them were, but there were there was a healthy mix of just fans across all walks um, there. Another shout out to Antonio, who owns the, the Rhodey Hen Cafe. He is now going to become a diehard Rhode Island FC fan. He said he's getting his employees excited and ready to go to watch the games as well. Um, so it was just a really, really good time to see everyone show up. I, I completely agree. Um, so let's let's jump into this. Thoughts on the game? Yeah, it was a good game. Um, I thought that um, the battery started off very well. Um, as I've seen in, in, in the playoffs, from what I've seen of Phoenix, they kind of tend to show up a bit later in games um they're the boogeyman that shows up in the dying minutes and steals your soul yeah um they they seem to thrive on um like counterattacking, um and it just didn't seem to work out too well for them in the first half um the second half i think like i want to say like the first uh let's say maybe 20 30 minutes of it um was kind of eh. But as soon as Phoenix like scored, the game came back alive. And I, after that, honestly, it was you know it was a barnstormer, as they say. Yeah, I I agree. It was definitely a tale of two halves. Um, Battery just seemed to be in complete control in the first half. Uh, they were cutting down every approach that Phoenix made to create any kind of attacking threat. Uh, like you said, it was. It seemed very indicative that Phoenix wanted to play a counterattacking style, and they basically shut out the um, the Harvey and Traore lanes where they could not generate an offense. It seemed to me that a lot of the attempts were coming up the left wing because um, that's kind of the the style that they've played to to find Danny Trejo who could poach and and score a goal. He was you know, multiple times in the box with the ball at his feet, but Charleston continued to to lock him out. Um, and then, you know, Charleston goes up. And I don't, here's the thing. I don't know if Charleston took that goal, got through the half, and then said we, we need to kind of be a little bit more protective and defensive. But you could tell, like I said, with that, that second half that Phoenix started coming alive, started probing, started getting a lot deeper with some of their scoring and attacking threat options. Um, and then, you know, they, like they've been doing all playoffs score a goal in the dying minutes and away. They, they are, they are the ultimate road warriors Their Their next TIFO just needs to be Mel Gibson from the road warrior. Just, just sitting there with, you know, a soccer ball under his arm. Um, because that's just, that's just what they do before we get too far into the final, moments and and the what happened next i do though want to walk back to because it was a very it was a very hotly debated topic at the bar and it was very hotly debated on social media 
was that a red or was that a was that a penalty in the box in the in the second half where Charleston took out their player and it went to review not a VAR by the way but it went to an AR review on the side yeah so the the assistant ref called it off and it was just a corner right or was it no it was a it was a yeah it was a corner afterwards correct um it's it's tough to say um anyone who's fans of like Premier League soccer will see there's lots of VAR controversy and people have plenty of opinions on whether or not things are fouls. Yeah, ultimately, I, I think that was the right call. Um, he, he got the ball. He ended up getting a little bit of the player as well. But I, I think it, in the end, the refs made the right call. You know, at the end of the day, things worked out for Phoenix to where it doesn't matter. But I guarantee you if, if Charleston had won... This would be one of those hotly debated topics for at least the entire off season about why we need VAR or something to the degree of, uh, you know, better quality of referees. At least from the Phoenix camp, I, I again, I think they got it right. Kudos to the AR and the head ref on uh, on really calling a. They didn't. I wouldn't say they called the best game, but I will say they called a very consistent game. There were a lot of places where I saw fouls. And some scrappy take on. So I was like, "Well, is he going to control?" No, he's going to let them play on. But he he was he was fair and consistent across the board. Yeah, he he was letting both sides kind of push each other around a bit, and only calling if he felt that it was like you know going too far. Like we said, ultimately Phoenix won, so you know that the penalty they didn't get, they don't care about that. I do wonder though um, if Battery looked back on that and and think about. Like they were missing a player, and uh, so Fidel Barajas, he actually just won today the USL Young Player of the Year award. Um, he's with Mexico for the under seventeen World Cup. So. Yeah, he's, he's provided an assist to equalize against uh, Venezuela in the middle of those games. I think I think they tied for the game, so it wasn't like the the go ahead winner, but still, I mean, doing amazing things for them. So I, I haven't seen much of him, so I can't comment on his playing style, but it seems like he is somewhat of a creative player. And it did feel like in the game, um, Phoenix's attack was better and Charleston's defense was better. Maybe with Bar- Barajas on the field, you know, Charleston would have maybe could have solidified a little bit better of attack and maybe kind of finished Phoenix off before they were able to uh, come back in that second half. I just, you know, wonder if they're, upset about that in any way or just kind of is what it is so listening to other pundits and podcasters a lot have said that what what barajas brings to the field was replaced with with the other players that were made available um i don't follow charleston enough to be able to to comment further on that but what i did notice as we were getting into the dying minutes of extra time is uh ben Pearman did not use all of his subs for charleston battery so that tells me either he had no talent left to to play anything or or implement any other kind of strategy and was just trying to kind of hold on with what he had built um or those were the players that were going to be best presented to take penalty kicks and i gotta tell you if barajas is that creative and can put a ball where he needs to put it that sounds to me like someone you want to be taking a penalty kick for you because you know, spoiler alert again, if you don't know, I, I it was Charleston's game to lose. Uh, you can't miss three penalties in a row. And, and when I say miss, I mean two of them be 
not even on target. You know, that that's that's never going to win you a game, let alone a final. And uh, and I think Phoenix is was probably, you know, making every contract with a devil or a deity they could as, as that game was going on to, to get that across the line. Because if you had told me by kick number three that Phoenix was going to win, I would have told you you were out of your mind. Yeah, you... In, in that situation, you at least want to put it on frame so that you're forcing the keeper to make a save when you're just missing the target. I mean, even though it was just a little, it's not it's not great. Yeah, I, I read some stat that there, it's like uh, chances are one in 175 of the first team going down by two and then winning in the first five kicks. It's something that almost never happens. So for the USL, you couldn't have asked for a better timeline. You couldn't have asked for a better story. The fact that Phoenix, again, won every game on the road to win the finals, uh, it's just amazing. And then, you know, we didn't know this until the research was done. You know, Phoenix, quote-unquote, maybe feels like they were robbed from a final opportunity where COVID shut them down um, in that, you know, asterisk year of of playing during the pandemic. So it's, it's a... It's a Cinderella underdog story uh, or a villain story, depending on who, your <laughs> yeah, attitude depending. and impression of, of Phoenix. Yeah. Um, I mean, they were, they were the sixth seed. So, I mean, that's that's what you like to see, I think, right? You you want some parody that someone, hey, can, can get good at the right time and make a good run and, you know, have an exciting story. Agreed. Now, I'm curious. I haven't heard and I haven't talked to the front office yet, but I'm really... It'd be really interesting to hear what uh, Brett Johnson's take was on Phoenix Rising winning since he had a hand to play in the development of that club. We still don't know if he has any kind of controlling stake in the organization. Uh, I didn't see him post anything, but I, I also didn't look again, so that could be wrong information. I, I think I may have saw him liked uh, like something on LinkedIn or something about them winning, um, but I did actually check really quick, and so... On at least on Wikipedia, I'm assuming the information there is correct. They have 18 listed owners, so I don't assume he has a like majority control. I don't know. I'm just just assuming with with that many people invested in it, it's more of just a this is you know one of my many business investments. So he's probably I assume he is happy to see that it it turned out well. I, I hope that you know maybe. That good luck will the, will show us, uh, you know, that uh, it'll just be a matter of time before we see some success on the field as well, too. I, I agree. I just wanted his first success in the USL to come from us, you know. So congratulations to Phoenix. Congratulations to Brett if, if he still has that controlling interest or that passion and, and, and proud representation. I just I really wanted RFC to hand him his first his first ring. Um yeah, no, it was it was it was good times. And let's also be honest too. Brett's probably completely just focused on Ipswich Town right now, trying to make that <laughs> that deep run. So, uh, you know, if we're, if we're being honest, that's where his his soccer attention probably is being drawn at the moment. Uh, I mean, last I checked on the table, I think they actually do it pretty well. I, are they still in? Was it second? It like it's been a few weeks, but yeah, they were up there. Yeah, yeah. So you know, we'll we'll see if. Up the town, you know, just keep keep bringing them closer and closer to that uh that penultimate state. Um, any other any other kind of thoughts or comments on the watch party or uh, on the you, final itself? 
So um, I saw something interesting today. They posted the uh, viewership numbers um, for the last, uh, for the final, and then showed some previous ones for comparison. And I don't remember the numbers, but they weren't particularly great. Um, And so part of the reason why, so the USL is showed on ESPN+. Plus. But with their ESPN Plus membership, you couldn't watch this game because it was on ESPN Two. So I, we don't need to get into to like a whole shebang about um, cable network and then how I like sports fans should just be able to just pay to watch games. But you know, I thought that was maybe not a great decision on their part. You want to have the most people to access, so all of your USL fans who have ESPN Plus subscriptions should have been able to watch the game, but, you know, you had to have a cable subscription to have ESPN too. That being said, um, the USL Championships actually striked up a new deal here. They're switching, it looks like. Yeah, so, I mean, we talked about this when we had, we had reached out prior to knowing this deal was going on. We were just trying to find more information about local broadcast rights. Um, and the league had mentioned to us that the deal was being put in place, but they wouldn't share the vendor. So in, in the last in the last episode, we, we guessed it would be Apple because we figured they would centralize it. Well, we were wrong. It wasn't Apple, uh, but we were right that they were centralizing it onto one platform just with other soccer products, and, and that was CBS. So what can you tell listeners about the CBS deal? Yeah, so CBS will broadcast 100 matches from the USL Championship in USL League One until 2027. Selected fixtures, including the USL Championship Final, will be broadcast on the main CBS network. So that tells me just general TV, which is good. Channel whatever CBS is yeah, on. Yeah, whatever your local CBS to, yeah. channel is, that'll that'll bring it to a lot of viewers. Um, and then more than 20... Matches will air on the CBS Sports Network pay TV channel. Um, I assume that's kind of like a ESPN for CBS. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and then so fans will be able to watch the games on CBS, the Golasso Network, and Paramount Plus. So people who are already fans of you know European teams and maybe have Paramount Plus for Champions League, like this is huge because. You already have this. Um, Agreed. I, I think this is a really strong play. I, I also, like, <laughs> we need to also make sure that it gets broken down because the first thing people started freaking out with the 100 matches was that um, what that really means is that they've secured broadcasting rights, probably for the bigger games, but that's not the complete infrastructure. What will need to still happen is that ESPN Plus is still going to remain an absolute fixture um, for clubs when there isn't a local media deal. So, you know, I don't want to jump too far into the conversation, but for those of you thinking, oh, well, I'll just get rid of ESPN Plus now. I have Paramount Plus or I, I have CBS. It's not the entirety. Or, you know, it's, not, it's not the complete discography of, of the USL package. So that that's something that's important to call out. Additionally, we know here at Raising Anchor that the club is in the final stages of contract negotiations for local media coverage with a broadcast partner. Um, the club has not come out and committed or confirmed any of them, but we believe that the contract is probably being set up with Nesson. Again, nothing that's been shared from them. It's just kind of based on what the club's angle is trying to be. 
Uh, we assume it, it would probably fit inside that Nesson organization. I know that that's kind of a hit or miss based on the polling and the conversations that have been had uh, on social media with fans. Um, but what Nesson may do or will do is provide an unlock for people uh, that do have that cable programming that aren't cord cutters and only relying on subscriptions alone to be able to watch uh, the local games. Now, we talked about that on the most recent pod where that's been a huge disadvantage for people that didn't want to watch the revolution at not an MLS podcast um, on, on the Apple TV because they didn't want to get the Apple TV deal. So unlocking this, even if it is the Nesson, uh, you know, broadcast partnership, that's, that's still going to be a win across the board. And if you don't have that, you know, and you continue to maintain your ESPN plus account, uh, that's another way to be watching games. So I, I think someone once joked that at this point, there's so many separate subscriptions you have that it probably is more expensive than what cable was 10 years ago. Um, but, you know, it, the point here is, is that you're going to be able to watch every single Rhode Island FC game, whether you're home or away. And hopefully when you're home, you're watching it at Bryant University and then, you know, the future of Tidewater Landing. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate that, you know, CBS couldn't get all of it. But I am kind of excited to see that they are going to play some on their actual their main network and i think that i'm at least i'm hoping that cbs maybe does a little more effort in kind of promoting their product espn plus is a little hit or miss for me um some sometimes their the quality of their stuff is not always the best and sometimes it's almost like we have the stuff we're just not going to tell anyone about it <laughs> it's just it's literally just there right and, and, you know, I don't know if this is, is this by any means is a true statement, but I also kind of looked at the deeper underlying of getting a CBS broadcast partner. And I, I kind of almost think that this helps continue to, to underlie that pro rail conversation and by unifying both the USL championship and USL one, which are fixtures inside this contract deal for broadcasting privileges. Um, this kind of, this helps open the door on how, coverage will be included to excite people who may want to give this a shot um, when it comes time to experiencing the the pain and suffering if there really is a relegation battle coming up or a promotion from a lower league. So I think having a pathway forward to broadcast on major networks for that will help accentuate and excite that. Um, the contract rights, based on what uh, John Morrissey was telling us from USL Tactics, is that uh, all of the broadcast revenue is equally shared already currently, so there's no incentive to move up or down based on on the network allowance, so to speak. But having access to be able to showcase the games and broadcast the games is a completely different uh, animal altogether. So this just kind of leads me to believe there's more ammunition for those of you that are still you know, screaming, we want ProRail, we want ProRail. Well, this is just another kind of feather in the cap for that that debate to continue to have on. So... We've talked a lot. Is there anything else that we need to get across the board today before we jump into events and wrap this up? I mean, I could, I literally could keep going, but like, you know, you, you do have to edit this. So <laughs> we, we have, we have one last thing I think that would be just a quick, just, just because it was dropped and it seems to be a sensational topic right now. Uh, hashtag never it. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I I find it interesting that um, the refs are looking at moving their stadium, and I I had mentioned to you uh, two two things. 
they were a dumpster fire this past year, but I also wonder if they are concerned with how close RAFC is going to be to them and if we are putting out a better product, a more well-run, kind of exciting thing, like are we going to be taking away from them? So do they all of a sudden need to like, hey, we need to get our act together. We need to get a stadium that people actually want to go to and like, you know, feel like is a good place to watch soccer at, which kind of is not what I'm getting the vibes from from most people who go to uh to Gillette. And then also if they where their proposed stadium where they moved is significantly like farther away. Does that mean a lot of the people maybe who are kind of closer on the the RI mass border there, do they just become RAFC fans? They're like, you know what? I can just go over here. I don't need to drive all the way through Boston, try and find parking. It's a nightmare to drive through there sometimes if you're not like from there and just know the streets, you know? You're you're spot on. It's almost prophecy-esque, right? You know, from what I've heard and what I've read online, Everyone is in support of a soccer-specific stadium in downtown Boston. Having said that, I think the people that have been following the organization for as long as they have are understanding that by doing that, it benefits the club, it benefits the sport, it benefits the game, but it won't be benefiting them. And a majority of people that have said that they're in support of the soccer-specific stadium um, don't intend to continue to be season ticket members. I don't think that's a problem for the organization because they will get a mass amount of people that will be wanting to watch games by being in the heart of, of you know one of the largest cities in the eastern seaboard. That being said, I think this is an ideal time for Rhode Island FC to, to kind of capture the hearts and minds of those people. You know, someone and it goes beyond just the distance. You know, someone said, Hey, parking is gonna be a nightmare. There's not gonna be the same level of parking infrastructure that exists at Gillette. You can't tailgate. That's a huge part of soccer culture in America. It's a huge part of sports culture in America. So that's not going to exist. So I think that you're going to see people who are Revs fans also become Rhode Island FC fans. And then if we have the more entertaining experience, I think you're going to see them become season ticket. If if you can't go to every game, but you love soccer that much and, and we're the same time it took to get to one place and now the other, as long as the product is exciting, I this is going to be a huge unlock. And I think the Revs fans that are experiencing it are already aware of that. I think the clubs, both clubs, are very aware of that. I don't think we live rent-free in the Revolution front office's you know, head that, oh, Rhode Island FC is here, so we have to get out. This is something that's been long in the works. Fans have been demanding a soccer-specific stadium for a long time. Um, they've had multiple opportunities that have fallen through. So I think this is just a culmination of getting a deal across the finish line. Um We'll see what happens. I, I just think it's really interesting that there's so much topic and debate right now about it because of all the council meetings, and yet the club has been you know head coachless now since, what, August or July even? I forget. I, I can't remember when Bruce was let go, but that front, administra- that front office administration has known that they didn't have a head coach for months now, and I still haven't seen any developments there. So, again... Hashtag not an MLS podcast. We'll leave it there. But this is going to be a huge win for Rhode Island FC. I'm super excited. Any fans that come aboard, welcome. We we are totally in love with the idea of you guys coming and joining and watching our games. We we joke all the time. Good luck figuring out which one you want to support when we inevitably meet each other in the Open Cup. But that's a problem for you guys to figure out at a later date. So 
uh, I think just moving into events and kind of wrapping things up. Uh, so we've joked about how many episodes we've put out, even while we're both sick right now recording. But uh, we get to take our first break. I mean, the listeners may not appreciate that, but we're uh, we're taking our first break. So next Friday, uh, we are going to take time off because we're not we're going to record on Thanksgiving. Um, so anticipate catching back up with us the following week. And then we will be recording up through, uh, the Christmas week. Um, but then I will be traveling. So the intent behind that is to have some pre-recorded content ready for listeners with some interviews from some amazing people that we're trying to line up, um, in that December run. At that point, we probably won't resume re- uh, live recordings until the second week, maybe even the third week of January. So we may miss an episode broadcast in that time. Um, but that's just as we kind of get ready to gear up for more of these uh, quote unquote live productions. Uh, and then, Jason, what else do we got going on? All right. Like you said, there's uh, some events coming up here on Saturday, December 2nd. RFC is going to be at the Toys for Tots Drive located at Cardi's in Warwick. Uh one of the Cardi brothers, Ripta, and iHeartRadio will be in attendance to help fill an entire Ripta bus with toy donations. Hey, listeners, if this is one thing that we could say go and do, if you've got time, if you've got charity in you, and if you've got the ability to, highly encourage, not just because Rhode Island FC is there, but there are always people in need. Uh, it's a great opportunity. We're going to be there dropping off some toys. I don't know if we can hang out all day, but we're going to make sure that we get to participate in that too. So highly encourage helping out and doing what you can during this holiday season. Yeah. Tis the season. If you guys can, um, you know, and anything you can do to help is appreciated. Uh, on Friday, 1215, RFC is going to return to Roger Williams zoo for the holiday lights festival. That should be a good one. And then, uh, into the following year, Saturday, January 27th, RFC is going to be at the RA brew fest at Waterfire art center. I noticed a common theme. They like to go to the drinking things. And I love that because I like I to mean, drink. Yeah, so they, no complaints there. Should we be working in the community events for the quote-unquote drinking events? I mean, they know how to get my attention. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and, and, and we'll announce more stuff coming up. That's just what the club was able to share early on. Uh, as a reminder, you can still buy season tickets by emailing tickets at RhodeIslandFC.com or calling 401-955-7432. As a reminder, tickets continue to get sold and the, the inventory continues to get smaller and smaller. Uh, I do think that there may be a moment in time where season tickets and just the ability to purchase multi-game ticket plans may run out. Uh, it's getting tighter and tighter in terms of capacity at that stadium. So if you are still hanging on and waiting for the best opportunity, what better time than to get a Christmas gift or a holiday gift for the people that you love or just for yourself by by getting season tickets. So don't don't wait because uh, you may not have another chance. Uh, and then we don't have we do have listener questions, and I'm sorry for those of you that had slotted these because they're, they're probably a few weeks old, and you're like, why haven't you asked these yet? But we we ran super long with this episode as we got a lot of stuff to catch up today. Uh, so we will get back to those um, on our next scheduled broadcast. Uh, but as a reminder, we do have merch in the store, and we really appreciate those of you that have been buying it and and supporting the podcast. So. Thanks to you and thanks to everyone else for just supporting and contributing. I, uh, I'm going to say happy happy Thanksgiving. I'm going to do an early happy Thanksgiving because we're not going to be on next week. So, Jason, happy Thanksgiving, bud. Happy Thanksgiving, guys. Um, enjoy the time with friends or family or however you're going to spend it. 
So I think it's time to wrap this thing let's, up. Let's get out of here. <laughs> let's, let's go get some. Let's get some medication in our bodies and 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 go to sleep, huh? <laughs> all right. So guys, you can catch us on Twitter, Threads, and TikTok, all at RAFC Podcast. We have an Instagram at Raising Anchor, and also a website www.raisinganchorpodcast.com. In the great words of centerfield Amos Shapiro Thompson, anchors up. Anchors up. <laughs>